This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Mountain Biking Park City. It's mountain bike season. Experience a world-class mountain bike destination in Park City, Utah. From vast, gentle rolling hills in Round Valley to white-knuckle descents at Deer Valley Resort, Park City boasts 450 miles of award-winning single track, gravity trails, bike parks, and lift-served riding for all ability levels. Plus, you get the lodging, dining, and entertainment options you'd expect from a world-class resort town. Round out your stay with other recreation activities like fly fishing or horseback riding, free concerts, art galleries, shopping, and more. It all comes together in Park City, and it's what's pushed this mountain bike destination to the gold standard. Get your Park City, Utah vacation rolling by visiting mountainbikingparkcity.com. You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. There's two very important dates coming up in the calendar that I wanted this episode to relate to. The first is the second annual Women's Mountain Bike Day, which happens the first Saturday in May, which, if you're listening to this episode on the day of release, is tomorrow. And the second event is Mother's Day. And to celebrate all the rad moms of mountain biking, I invited three rad moms to chat all things motherhood, advocacy, and mountain biking. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you will too. As always, I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 62 of Frontlines. I'm joined by three guests, all of them moms and active cyclists and mountain bikers. First is Ski Fleeton. She joins us from San Diego. She's got two boys, nine and 15, and is the membership and marketing coordinator with the San Diego Bike Coalition. Hi, Ski. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. And next we have Kim Bradley. She's a mom of two girls, a three and a half year old and a five year old, and is the president of the Southeastern Connecticut chapter of the New England Mountain Bike Association, and is also on the planning committee for the 2020 NEMBA Women's Summit. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And next we have Jules Guyer. She's a mother of two girls, 13 and an almost 15-year-old, and has been a NICA coach in the Minnesota League for the past five years. And this year, she's starting a middle school girls team. Hi, Jules. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, I, thank you, everybody, for, for joining me. I know scheduling can always be complicated, and, uh, and we will definitely speak to that in, in this conversation as, as, uh, as there's a lot of demands as, uh, as mothers, as I can assume. Um, what I'd like to to just start with is a bit about how each of you got into mountain biking and, and cycling in general. Ski, can I put you on the spot and ask you to go first? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. So I've always cycled. I mean, you know, I started out riding when I was a kid. It's never really stopped. I've lived around the world. So everywhere that I've lived, there's been some component to bike riding. You know, I lived in Japan when I was teaching. I rode to work. We've lived in the Netherlands, which, of course, is, you know, cycling Nirvana. So no matter where we've gone, you know, school, I always rode everywhere. I, I, you know, I ride to the supermarket. I do all kinds of different things. So that's kind of how I got into it. And Kim, how did you get into mountain biking? I've been cycling since I was a young kid. 
riding on our bike during summer vacation. We went to the same state park every year. And uh, that was probably the highlight of my summer was just exploring the trails in the state park, being able to spend time on my own really escaping everything on our bike. I think, you know, when it comes to technical mountain biking, my husband actually raced bikes when he was in high school. So he's always been an advanced rider since I've known him. And he took the leap and decided to try to get me on a bike. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say that that experience, uh, I actually ended up having a really good fall at that point, but I actually shifted to road biking and triathlons (laughs) after he had taught me because it was just such a hard experience trying to translate between, you know, men and women, but also a very advanced rider trying to break it down for a beginner. And Jules, how did you get into mountain biking? I started biking, I guess, as, as a kid in our neighborhood. And I guess that's just what you did. You would, you would, you know, get down with school, you would bike to a friend's wherever the most bikes were in the yard. That's where you would go. So we would bike around. Um, my dad would ask me to do some sort of social rides, I guess you would say. He was very encouraging just to allow me and him to have time to bike. It, I mean, it literally would take us, I swear, all day. We would stop at every rest stop, make sure you ate all the food and, you know, just that's just what we did. We had a fun time, but I really wasn't into the mountain biking at all. I guess I had got my license and then the bike just kind of hung there for a while. I didn't participate in, in any sort of biking. And then I had met a guy, I guess I was in my twenties and he was really into mountain biking and he lived in Montana and here. Um, and so it was like, well, this is kind of cool. So I went out and, and tried mountain biking uh, and then shortly after that, there was a, an event here called the Norba Nationals. And that was in probably 2000, I guess, or so, where I went and watched pros come from all over the world and, and mountain bike race here. And that was wild. You know, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, Tinker Juarez and all sorts of people and these ladies just doing stuff I couldn't even believe. So I decided, I think maybe it was the year after that, I was like, all right, I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to I'm going to try mountain bike racing. So I did the Narbon Nationals race here and I think there was maybe like nine total women at that time. It sounds like all of you have have been cycling for for a really long time and 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 that's great and that cycling's kind of been a part of your life since a very young age. What adjustments did each of you make to your riding during your pregnancies? my first pregnancy, I think I kind of panicked. (laughs) And uh, I didn't really ride much at all. I had pushed so hard prior to my pregnancies. um, And I guess I just wasn't educated in how resilient the female body is and how much it can take. So I really pulled back from cycling and, you know, did a little bit of running. But what was amazing to me is, you know, I saw one of my good friends, she was riding some of the most technical trails, six months pregnant, just cranking over things that, you know, she knew this trail very well, but, you know, it was possible. And, you know, your body can really take quite a bit. You know, I had other kind of outside the realm of mountain biking. I, I had friends that would rock climb uh, with special harnesses um, for specifically designed for pregnancy. And I think that that's something I really try and hope 
to be able to communicate to women that both during your pregnancy, but especially those early years of uh, parenthood, you don't have to detach yourself completely from the life that you know outside. And there are ways to make it work. So pregnancy is challenging because everything's changing within your body, but there definitely don't, don't kind of stay back. I just remember the one biking I did was on Block Island. I was on a beach cruiser and that thing was so heavy. <laughs> I, I would have been better off on a mountain bike. <laughs> My experience is a little different. I was living in Japan and came into the States and, and realized that I was pregnant in the States. So my husband at the time built me a mountain bike, but it was more of a commuter bike, but it was cushy, like it had ergonomic handlebars and a squishy seat and everything that I could, you know, everything to make me really comfortable. Because I was brand new into the States, I didn't have a social security number, so I couldn't drive, I couldn't get myself around, so I used the bike. So I used to put a backpack on right up to the shop or to whatever I needed to do. And unfortunately, we were living in a place that was not bike friendly at all. And there was, you know, there was really nothing around that I could go to safely. Um, and coming from a country where we drove on the correct side of the road to the States where you drive on the other side of the road, <laughs> I, was, I was still having issues with, you know, just everything was different. And, you know, when you're pregnant, I had a bit of pregnancy brain. Um, so it was just everything was new and different to me. So I didn't really do a lot, but I did use the bike until about seven months or seven and a half months when I could no longer throw my leg over it. I really wished I'd had a step through because I was I was just so big and so uncomfortable and I just I couldn't get my leg over it anymore. And I was really disappointed and that with the with my second pregnancy six six years later, I really, really wanted to bike, but I was I was sick. I was sick the whole time and there was no way that I could bike. I was on bed rest for most of the time. So I really missed out on doing that. But, you know, I think we're also, when I was pregnant the first time, people would say to me, oh, my God, I can't believe you're riding a bike. It's so dangerous. And I thought, well, getting into a car is just as dangerous, if not more, you know, and I'm actually outside getting some fresh air and getting a little bit exercising, going further than I would if I was just walking, you know. So I think we need to we need to stop with the stigma that riding a bike is inherently dangerous. We just really need to be able to do what we can do as you know, as pregnant women, I mean, you know, I think that's really important. People just sort of want to put us into bubble wrap and, you know, don't do anything. But we we need to still have our life. We need to still be able to do what we want to do. And Jules, what about yourself? Well, I was pregnant during the winter here, both pregnancies, basically. So there wasn't really biking outside and, and fat biking wasn't uh, a big thing at that time yet. So I didn't really bike outside when I was pregnant. But being an athlete and and then just biking inside did allow the pregnancy to be much easier. I can say that. I mean, just staying fit and staying active and and having that biking background, I think really did help. So uh, going from being pregnant to early parenthood, you know, how how did you maintain your cycling and, and mountain bike lifestyle through that that phase of early parenthood? I'm going to warn you, I have a three-year-old right next to me, so just don't know if she'll chime in too. No, that's okay. That's that, This will be authentic. So uh, Kim, if you, if you wouldn't mind answering that. Sure, sure. 
I guess overall, I will say I early childhood for me or early parenthood, I guess, overall was a total upheaval of our lifestyle. So my, my husband and I were very used to our freedom and ability to choose which um, adventures we were going on. And quite often, I guess in a, in a benefit to us later on, we were used to doing things on our own. So I would often go out, you know, mountain bike or surf or do something to that degree. And then he, you know, trade off or he would go with his group. So I think that benefited us and young childhood is we really were able to become partners. And um, we call it the, we often call it the garage high five, <laughs> where right now, I mean, I, that's what I, it's hard to say. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, uh, you know, I think we're still in that early parenthood mood, but just the second chapter, I would call it. So I think, you know, the first chapter when you have a baby and it's really completely reliant on you, especially as a mother, I breastfed. So that was a huge strain on your body. And then your body is recovering from that process. So I found giving yourself that, that, you know, first few months to just adjust and not feel that you have to you have this sense of loss of your individual personality. And I know I struggled with that a little bit, but it's okay to, to kind of give yourself the time to adjust to being a parent. And then from there, really rely on that partner that you have and find ways to even just engage with the community that you're with. So I know, you know, I stepped up to be the president of our, our chapter. And what we've tried to do is really instill simple activities such as, you know, potluck cookouts. So even if we know someone that, you know, has just had a child, we'll invite their family and whether it's just one of the parents are able to go out, um, just kind of letting people know that they're still within that community. And as a young parent, again, you find your partner, find a way to, to balance off those activities, find parents who are in the similar, similar stage as you, because often it's hard for others to understand all the demands on parents in that early stage and the, the time frames. I know I always had a problem with meeting up with people because they didn't realize that, you know, that window of two hours is so precious and there's so much to get back to. So, you know, often I'd end up going on my own if I had to, because it was so much easier to be able to kind of pick up your gear and go and not be on anyone else's schedule. So those local small trails became, you know, very important, very important to me. And also finding those people that you can rely on and that can, can gauge and understand what you're going through. And one of the best things that we do now is you know, we'll have a Sunday morning ride and my husband and I will trade off. So he'll go for the ride one day. I bring the kids. We meet up. They hang out with all the mountain bikers in the parking lot. And then, you know, I one the other who did not get the ride gets to go out right afterward, whether it's with someone else or on their own. But it's just really finding a way to make it work within your individual family. We had a, I was in a different situation. So um, my husband at the time is military 
So he didn't have a lot of free time. So I would be the one who pretty much looked after the kids while he got to go out and ride. But we did, um, he did actually buy a burly trailer when our first son was one. And I thought, oh my God, this is like the hugest expense. Why are we doing this? And that trailer has been the greatest thing we've ever bought because, you know, you could chuck the kid in it and all the stuff that was pretty much there, you know, I used to call it their little condominium and, um, you know, they had everything except for throwing toys out when we were going for a ride and having to, you know, turn back and go get them. Yeah, We've all been in that situation, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, My keys actually got thrown out one day, which was not fun. Um, But (laughs) but that that was just, that was such an amazing thing. And for me, especially with, with our second son, I got to, you know, ride trails around Washington, D.C. We got to do all kinds of things that I don't think we, I would have been able to do had it not been for that trailer. And that trailer was really, it, it opened doors. You know, we, we travelled the world with this thing and I was able to do so much more simply because we could put everything into the trailer. I could put my groceries in. I used to take the boys to school you know, the little one was in the trailer, the older one was on his bike. We used to go to school. I used to come home by the supermarket, grab all the groceries and put it in the trailer, go home, go for a ride. But these kind of things, these little things just really help to open the doors for parents who need that little bit of outside time outside of the car or outside of the home. If you don't have that, you know, people say to me all the time, well, how did you survive with the kids? You know, how did you ride with the kids? get a trailer, get a, a seat for the bike, something like that, just a little thing where you can go that extra mile literally with your child but do it outside, do it outside of a car, get a little bit of exercise and everybody's happy. They've always had snacks in the trailer. It was always full of Cheerios and ice cream and, you know, whatever it was, but everybody was happy. And snacks are essential as a mom. <laughs> are essential, yes. I agree. Isn't that amazing how – We've been able to utilize biking and then still into the parenting. And with our trailer, exactly what we did, Cheerios, you'd put a book in. They'd have to have their stuffed yeah. animal. I mean, there's, there's a lot of yeah. thought that goes into making sure, okay, we're all yeah. good to bike for a long period of time. And then after they both didn't fit into that trailer, then we did that. We had uh, we had the, the mountain bike and then the trailer bike, and then the trailer connected that. So we were like literally a little train, um, and and we would just keep going. It didn't matter. And in our trailer, actually, we have one that's called the chariot. And so you could connect, um, you could take off the wheels, and then in the wintertime, we could put on cross-country ski blades, or you could um, put these big metal things that you could hike, you know, through the woods with. But I feel like just because of biking and being outside, it helped us to just stay active all the time. My oldest daughter is who's five is is very tall for her age. So she actually we we had a cart, but she grew out of it fairly quickly. I probably could have gotten a bigger cart or something to that degree, but it was interesting because it made me slow down with her, and it it we got her on a strider when she was really young, by three and a half, I think she was riding on two wheels with pedals. And now she's five. She's the size of a third grader, but she's not even in kindergarten yet. But this girl rides bridges in the woods that adults wouldn't even think of. It's pretty phenomenal. So I found that, you know, taking the time and also, you know, 
slowing down for the children also helped them build the confidence. And I'm, I'm eager to lean, learn from both of you how you encourage the kids to enjoy cycling. <laughs> and of course, this is for asking for technology. Um, so um, to not force the issue, I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, hold on one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to manage her for a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> what vision did you have of your family and, and mountain biking before becoming a parent? And is that different than your current reality? Can I answer this one? Yeah. So to be perfectly honest, I didn't really have a vision. Um, we've always, you know, I, I married a crazy cyclist. Uh, so I just knew that bikes were going to be part of our life no matter what. I mean, my, my boys are named Ryder and Gunner. So <laughs> there was, my dog's name is Shifter. <laughs> my dog's name is Huck. Oh, <laughs> so cute. You know, my boys have always ridden. It doesn't matter what, you know, what we've done, where we've been. It's always been one of those things. The moment they could walk, they were on a bike. And I think, you know, when it comes to mountain biking, it's just we've lived in places where they could ride mountain bikes. We've lived in places where they couldn't ride mountain bikes, but we've traveled somewhere where they can, you know. And, and you know, now my older son is on the high school mountain bike team on the Nike team. Yay. Yay. I know. But he loves it. He does. He loves it so much. So I think there was never really a vision for our family. It's just how it is. I think if one of them wanted, said, you know, we want to play baseball, I think it would have been like, what? Why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, of course, I want them to do whatever. They, they love playing other sports. They love playing basketball. They love doing soccer. They love doing whatever. It's just biking is, is in us. It's in our blood. It's in our, you know, in our DNA. And it's just, you know, it's just how it is. And I think with our family, too, just because we – just did it as a natural thing. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. We do it as a family. Um, we have fun with it. Even when the kids were really little and they were mountain biking, it's, it wasn't about us. Um, you know, and we would do that, you know, tagging off if we wanted to ride a little more, but Hey, let's make this into a scavenger hunt. Let's bring a picnic. Let's, you know, whatever we did, we just tried to make it fun. And then the rest of the stuff just kind of came natural. Like they just love it. My oldest daughter, loves it way more than my daughter, even though she loves it too, but she likes alpine ski racing more. But it's more of the part is the lifelong sport of it. The, the something that we can always do with our families, even when we're older and, and enjoy like, and I always think about um, another coach had is always says, think about kids who play soccer and there's nothing wrong with soccer, but, but just think back and say, what was that, that competition? Like, do you remember like a specific day and we always think when we're mountain biking, you remember so much. You just remember a trip. You you remember a certain race, a certain event, or seeing a snake on the trail, or or whatever it is. I just think it just is just supernatural. I have a, I guess I have a bit of an interesting twist on this uh, because I found when I had a family, especially when my second child was born, things changed so drastically in my life and kind of our family setup that it really shifted what cycling was in our lives before kids, my husband and I 
drawing on a prior front lines <laughs> podcast, it we we had a very egocentric <laughs> perspective of cycling. So we really did it for pushing ourselves and what it it gave to us. And when we had a family, my whole professional career shifted. The demands of being an environmental and ecological consultant really kind of overwhelmed our family situation. And I ended up shifting from pretty much full-time work to part-time. And in doing that, I also then found I needed to find a way to continue linking to what my professional experiences were and finding a way to kind of get out of just the motherhood role. So I was looking for opportunities for volunteering and mountain biking was one of the escapes that I had from the day to day. And it really let me reconnect with some of the the friends that I had both through my career and otherwise. And doing so, I found that this woman summit was coming up for the New England Mountain Bike Association. I went to the summit and just it was it was a it was mind blowing to me that I did not see the connection between my conservation focused experience and the recreational uses of mountain biking, how much it was needed for individuals from my perspective to take steps to really support and enhance our recreational opportunities and get people outside and caring about our open spaces. So I found this link and my chapter needed a president. So I stepped up and it's just, it's changed everything for me to a degree. Um, I've taken a, a huge step forward and really advocating for mountain biking within our state and really communicating the importance of getting everyone from families and small children out into our open spaces and, and balancing recreational opportunities to conservation. So it actually shifted a lot of the path of my life, you know, combining motherhood with mountain biking. And and Jules and, and Ski, have you found that since becoming a mom that that it's changed kind of your your cycling advocacy roles or, or your goals in, in trail advocacy at all? Yeah, I think for me, I, I was never really an advocate before. I just, I was a writer. Good experiences, bad experiences, it didn't matter. But now on the advocacy side of it, I, I took it on because I had kids, because I see that we as a generation, and perhaps it was my parents' generation, I'm not really sure, somewhere we stopped letting kids be kids. We stopped letting kids go outside freely we stop letting kids have fun and we stop letting kids interact with nature. I did a bike to school day a couple of years ago for my, my kids' school and, you know, there were when, when I arrived at my kids' school, there were three bikes in the bike racks the day that we arrived and two of those were my son's bikes. And we, we are in one of the best schools in the best school districts in San Diego. And it was mind-blowing to me how we live in this amazing neighborhood, this amazing school, and no one rides to school, 400 kids at this school, 400 cars every morning, 400 cars every afternoon. It, it makes my brain explode when I think about this. 
So I thought, well, why, why is this happening? So I went to the principal. I asked him, you know, what can we do? And he said, I really want to do this. I don't have time. Please take it on. So I did. So we had our first National Bike to School Day, and I, I put on a thing for school, and I got all the kids to ride to school, and we had 300 kids ride to school. And the district was flawed. The school was flawed. Everybody was flawed. And when I asked the kids, I went to each classroom and, and spoke to the kids about it. I said, what did you experience? And the kids, like this first grader said to me, and it just it sticks in my head, I saw a lizard eating a butterfly when I was riding my bike. And I said, would you see that in your mum's car on the way to school? No, I would never see that. And that, that is what we're taking away from our kids from not letting them be outside. We don't allow them to go to the playground by themselves. We don't allow them to play and climb trees and do any of these things that they really should be doing as kids, that, that learning component of being a child. We don't give that to them anymore because we are so afraid. We are so afraid of what's going to happen. I think that's great. And I, I feel the same way. And it is a little bit cultural in, in different areas too, even though us different states can utilize, um, let's say, NICA for youth development and where a lot of our kids are, are meeting like-minded individuals already at an early age, which is awesome because in our particular school, there's not a lot of kids who even bike at all, um, well alone mountain bike. They think it's really weird. Um, I sit at the school a couple of times and, and talk about mountain biking and, and try to get more girls mountain biking, especially. And they look at me like I have two heads. You know, even even parents are like, what? And they call us crazy. They think we're crazy. So but we're hugely advocating, advocating towards just bringing that back. I want more girls mountain biking. That's why I'm I'm starting a, a mountain bike um, on our mountain bike team just for girls trying to make it fun so that they feel safe. It, not about racing whatsoever. Like I, I could really care less about that. I, actually, even on our team, it, even though we have some really high level athletes and, um, you know, my daughters are, are good bikers too. I don't, I'm more like excited when I see like the little guy, let's say, um, doing good and the high fives and, and the smiles. Um, and so I'm hugely into that. I'm also hugely into teaching our kids to give back to the trails. We do a lot of that with our, our team as well. So um, it kind of is just full circle and it's pretty cool. It is, it's getting big and it's amazing how much it is growing and how many kids do love it. And I, I feel it's because of people like us. Um, yesterday I, I worked at our, our Minnesota leaders summit for NICA and we had probably 20 women and we had five kids who had just, let's say, graduated from being a NICA athlete to now wanting to help coach. Um, and so that's pretty cool. It's, it's continuing. Jules, you mentioned the perception of some of the girls that you had asked to join the, the team or the, the parents. You know, there is this, this stereotype of, of a mountain biker. And how do each of you break down that stereotype through your parenting? Great question. <laughs> That's a <laughs> that is a good question. Um, yeah, I have to remember who who gave me that question. It is oh. a good one. It was not me. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I think just for us, you know, I don't. 
No, just because our kids see us doing it all the time. My kids actually ask me if that's all I talk about because <laughs> it kind of <laughs> is. I, I mean, if I'm not trying to research more of the youth development, coming up with new programming, coming up with new ways to overcome fears or better ways to coach girls. I mean, I do really just talk about it all the time. I kind of live it. Maybe they get annoyed by it, but maybe someday they'll see that that's Hey, you know what? That that's what mom represented, and and maybe they'll want to do the same thing. So, I guess you know, kids are gonna do when they see what their parents do. I don't know if that answers the question, right? But I think it's a great answer. Just, I I mean, I have to put it out there. Like I said, I have girls two two girls that are so young. I'm I'm just approaching the age where they may be interested in getting on teams, and my oldest is so shy. And so, you know, she does these things for herself. She's an excellent cyclist already. But when I even bring up the concept of riding with a group of kids, she kind of shuts down. And I think, you know, as women overall, but especially younger girls, there's there's this concern of, you know, what others think around you and a need to kind of break through this, show the fun, show the fact that we can be self-reliant or rely on the community around us and that no one is, it it doesn't have to be competitive. It doesn't have to be intimidating. It's, you know, we're all in it together and we're all kind of exploring what we can do and supporting one another. And I think overall us as women have the opportunity to really break down the stereotypes at a level that people just don't, don't even, can't even comprehend. You know, I, like I said, I have an ecology and wetland science background. And when I walk into a room advocating for recreational access to trails, no one ever expects a mom of two young girls who is, you know, a, a scientist to be able to step up and promote recreational uses. It breaks down what is in the head and the perception of, of many individuals. And, you know, I, I think what I was thinking about at one point was what skill set do moms bring to advocacy? And one of the things I use an example in um, a women's summit presentation I gave is if you can help a three-year-old navigate through a tantrum, then you could pretty much work with any personality out there. (laughs) The patience that we have as mothers really can translate to to making things happen. (laughs) So the multitasking that we talked about before, the patience, the persistence, you know, we we as women really do have a large skill set that we can put forward to anything we need to, we need or want to accomplish i try to show that to my girls as well you know going down the backyard hill on your bike and trying to make it around that fence area can also translate to something you need to do in school or with your homework it's it's being able to communicate and learn the lessons that we learn on our bike or otherwise really do help us in life. Yeah, I, I'm, um, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of testosterone. You know, I come at it from a little different angle again. Um, my boys always say, you know, why are you so, why, why do I advocate so much for more girls on bikes? I, I've just, when I, before I started work for the Bike Coalition, um, I started a page 
here in San Diego called San Diego Women and Bicycles. And it's just a little Facebook page, but it's actually mirrored off the Washington, D.C. Women and Bicycles program that the Washington Area Bicycle Association does. And I wanted to do that here in San Diego. I think there's a really big disconnect between cycling and women as a whole. You walk into any bike shop and it's very bro-ish. You know, even I, I'm kind of a, my boys call me a tomboy all the time. They don't think I'm the most girly of girls. And, um, you know, I get along with a lot of men and I can talk the talk and walk the walk, but it is very bro-ish and it's still intimidating even for me. And I'm happy to hang with anybody. But, you know, if, if you're a, a woman who needs something done on their bike or in, in any circumstance, whether it's your car or your bike or anything, honestly, and you walk into a place and there's a lot of men, it is a very intimidating thing. So, you know, over the last couple of years, I've noticed that there are more and more women doing mechanics, doing advocacy, stepping into schools, stepping into local government, doing all these things that we never really did before. And this, you know, I've noticed it in the four years that I've been here in San Diego. And it's a really important thing for our daughters and our, you know, nieces and everybody to see that there are women who do this for a living. I go into schools and people say to me, why do you care about bikes? You know, you're a mum, you're a girl. Well, I do it because I care about, you know, everybody getting to school. But kids need to see that it's not just the dads who are going to step up. It's not just the dads who are going to stand outside school and direct traffic every morning. It's not just the dads who, you know, work on bikes. It's not just the dads who put these things together for our kids. It needs to be us as well. It needs to be mums. It needs to be women. We need to be front and centre to show girls, to show everybody that this is something that we can do, that anybody can do. And that's a, I think that's a really important thing is just to get us out there. We live in a place where this can happen. Some communities don't have this. And I think more and more we need to push to see more women out there advocating for more girls to get out there riding, whether it be mountain bikes or, you know, BMX or road or just to ice cream on the weekend we can all do it you don't have to look a certain way you don't have to dress a certain way I ride a bike I wear heels I wear dresses it's just you know it's just how it is that's what we do so you know let's get more girls out there it's 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 not easy but we can do it it's definitely a culture change or shift that we're all working towards with women is what mom's think of biking and what moms think of mountain biking. Therefore, they're going to think that it's okay for their daughters or, the, you know, not so much the sons, but their daughters to be mountain biking. It was funny yesterday at the leader summit, one of the guys was talking to me um, and we were talking about doing wheelies. And so I'll be 50 this year. And one of my goals is to be able to wheelie, you know, pretty good. You know, I can do like a few pedal strokes, but like to show that I can like do some cool skills. Right. And so this guy is talking about when he grew up and, and doing wheelies and, and, and bunny hopping and stuff. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I never, I never did any of that. Well, I never mountain biked when I was a kid, I would just bike on the streets, but to change that, that, wow. Yeah. That stuff is fun. That stuff is cool. It's okay to get dirty. Um, and just to do it in a fun way. And so I think if, if the moms and I, I, if you go out there and you start looking now at, let's say, Live and some of these other companies that are offering to teach moms skills, you'll see like a ton of women wanting to sign up. So I think it's, it's shifting towards, you know, yep, this is, this is cool and this is fun, but they do 
want to do it with just other women. You know, I do see even with us, some of our girls who want to practice, let's say, skills, they feel like, well, I don't want to do it in front of the boys because I'm going to look really dumb. You know, or girls are very people oriented, whereas boys are very about things. Girls think about what others think of them. And so if they screw up, you know, they're going to stop and look around and see who's looking at them. Oh, do I look really dumb? So I just think that the more that we do to show that that this is all fun and cool. Um, the other thing that I think is is really awesome is there's a company out there right now, and it's SheBeast. And they are actually offering larger size women's cycling apparel. And I think that's awesome too. Um, just to show that, hey, this is for any body style. This is for anybody. Right. And sorry, Jules, I'm just going to jump in. I really like what you said about SheBeast. I think, you know, part of my issue, I'm a curvy girl. I, when, when I started riding bikes, you know, um, sort of a lot more than I, I really would, I wanted to buy bike clothes and I couldn't find clothes that fit me. You know, I have hips, I have boobs. Let's be honest here. You know, I'm a mum. I've got some stuff going on and, you know, I want to be able to be comfortable. I don't want everything to ride up or ride down or, you know, just I don't want to look like a sausage. I don't want to be terribly uncomfortable when I'm riding a bike. And I don't want everything to be pink either. I don't want flowers and I don't want pink. We need to get out of that idea. We need to make it cool. We need to make it comfortable. And I like that there are companies finally now who are stepping up and saying, hey, Women want to look good, but we also want to be comfortable and we want to have stuff that fits us. You know, I tend to wear a lot of men's clothing because I, I can't find shorts that fit my thighs. I have big thighs. You know, it's it's a hard thing for women. If If we can't find something that we can fit into, we're not going to do it. The first Saturday in May is Women's Mountain Bike Day, and, and hopefully you'll all be able to, to get out and ride. For those with, with the experience, are there any differences with raising mountain bike girls than, than mountain bike boys? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just will say I'm at the very <laughs> infantile stage of this. Um, like I said, my five-year-old is is cruising on two wheels. And so we're just getting on the airline trails. We're getting on trails that are fairly easy at this point but she's amazing it's amazing to watch her learn so I've been at this point hiking behind her and she wanted to do a single track that was I mean I I, I don't know if I would ride my bike on it but uh, we discussed and she did what she could she had to get off at certain sections and I said well this is mountain biking you know you're going to hike <laughs> often just as much as you ride while you're out there. And she processed and she, she came home and told her dad, you know, I did this, but I walked my bike too. And that's okay. I've found with her, it's the one-on-one -on -one time has been great. Once you put her in a group of other children, she will kind of slink down, become shy. I think question herself. I have a second child that is far more outgoing. Again, she's only three and a half, so she's got her strider. But right now, she doesn't really want to touch a bike. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty nervous about it. As you know, a mom, um, 
we like we've said, what we've done at this point of their lives, just early in their lives, is they're surrounded by mountain bikers of all shapes and sizes, both genders. They really feel at home. You know, it's it's when we have a mountain bike picnic, they, you know, they're prepared, they'll have their bikes with them. But I feel like that's really influenced my my five-year-old. But overall, you know, I, I've only had girls, so I'm not quite sure. And I'm stepping into this, really hoping to learn from women like those on the podcast here as to, you know, how do we influence without pushing? I feel like with the girls, that what I've found, at least even early on, is if you try to push them into something, they are going to push back. <laughs> so I want some advice. <laughs> well, I can talk to that. The influence without pushing, I feel like that that's huge. I mean, I feel like that really is, you know, what we're about is bringing it back to where it's something that, that kids like. Um, I feel like the, the world is pushes for everything. The world is super competitive and the parents are competitive. Everything is competitive. Everything's a planned play date. Everything is, you're getting pushed. If you miss a year, you know, you're almost out because now all of a sudden you're outdone and, and you can't catch up to that competitive level that people are at these days. It's different than, like when I grew up, like I said, riding my bike around town just for fun. And so I feel like it's just, you don't really need to push. It'll happen naturally. And so that's where I guess I can talk a little bit about not so much girls and boys racing. There is differences, but I feel like it's more of allowing athletes, whether they're girls or boys, to experience and enjoy the love of biking and then then the racing part will just come naturally if they like to do that. So that's where I'm kind of starting this middle school bike team. And we already see within our middle school girls bike team this year for NICA, we allow sixth graders in Minnesota. So it's sixth, seventh, and eighth. Um, and so a handful of these sixth grade girls that are coming on board, they're super cute. They're rah-rah and high five and huggy and, and very social. And, and then there's another part of the group of girls who are like, well, being on a girl's bike team is kind of lame and I just want to race. And so I'm not sure it's <laughs> necessarily totally just like girls and boys, but just two different types. And if you don't allow the kids to have fun with it at first, they're just not going to want to do it at all, whatever the sport is, but for sure mountain biking. So, you know, we do, well, for the girls, let's say for an example, you know, we're going to jewelry making, um, ice cream socials, you know, do the body positive stuff, you know, positive group talk, positive self-talk, playing games, learning skills. And because they say they don't want to race, but they might, you know, as long as they're just getting all this other stuff. And and so I feel some boys feel like this too when they first come in. That maybe if they haven't mountain biked before, if their parents aren't mountain bikers. More of the people that I think start mountain biking is because their parents are into it. And so these new kids who don't really know about it and their parents don't know about it, they're maybe not ready to just get thrown into the into the racing aspect right away either. So I feel like it's kind of looking at the whole picture. 
So I, I know we can keep this conversation going on for for a long time, but I, I want to try to to wrap things up. Um, it's been a, it's been an absolutely wonderful conversation. It's just great to to, to listen in and and be a fly on the wall for this for this conversation. And so what I want to end on is is from each of you, what do you feel when you see your kids on a bike? I would say pure joy. <laughs> it's just fun you know I oh I can't even tell you I like I'm envisioning my daughter Samantha cruising down the road and just the smile on her face just says it all so my my um kids raced over the weekend but they raced road and um I've never seen my nine-year-old race in a road race before so this was my first time seeing him and I cannot tell you how incredibly proud I was of him and you know he didn't he didn't podium he did great and he was so incredibly proud of himself and that for me just just the pride that they have in racing my older son has raced since he was you know a tiny tacker and and I just I he always gets so emotional about it they're both quite emotional about their racing you know, whether they win or lose, there's always something. But the, the part that I love about it is the sportsmanship. You know, we've always taught them to be great sports, to thank everybody, to, you know, high five, to say well done. And at the end of the day, they're all just mates. They all just want to hang out with their friends at the races. They make new friends. They've got these friends for life around the world with kids who they've raced with and with people who they've raced with. And that's a really, really cool thing to see. Um, you know, you've got five-year-olds who who line up on the gate at BMX next to world champions. You've got, you know, kids going to mountain bike races and seeing people that they're named after. You've, it's just, it, it's such a really cool community that we have, no matter what kind of bike they ride, no matter where we go. And the sportsmanship and the community that has grown out of that, for me, is really special. So, you know, to see my kids ride, and to see the pride that they have in what they do, you know, they, they grow an inch taller every time they do that. And I'm really, really proud of them. And it, it gives me a little tear in my eye when I see it. I was, I was really proud of my kids over the weekend. I lost my voice screaming at them as they were riding past me on the circuit. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing to see. It is a cool thing to see. My youngest daughter is coming off of a knee injury, and she now just got the go-ahead as of last week to start riding her bike outside and so then she said, mom, do you think it's okay if I just go on my own? Because uh, us as moms, we just, we just want to protect them. Like, you know, we don't want them to get hurt. And, and it was like, okay, you can go. And so then um, I had to go pick up my other daughter and I see her going down the road and it just, it did. It just brought this big smile to my face, just seeing her. Like she was like, I can go out and do this. And and my my oldest daughter, you know, that you're talking about this, it does. It almost makes me cry. You know, she got like a Dora bike when she was five and she was in the garage on training wheels. And now just a couple of weeks ago, she went with a group of her friends, like-minded friends who don't even go to her, her school um, with a youth development coach. And they all went to Sedona and I saw a picture of her there with them and she was so happy. So mm -hmm. the part is I, I don't need to tell them. And even when they do a Nike race, I don't ask them how they did. I just ask them, where do they want to go have ice cream? 
Yeah. So as long as we're having a good time with it, then then that's great. But I am sad that my one daughter now says she doesn't want to bike with us. So we'll see. I, it'll come back around. And again, that's the part of the youth development where we're like saying, okay, this is a lifelong sport. And, and maybe right now she just wants to be with her friends and not with mom and dad. But But in a few years, she'll be back. Well, thank you so much, all three of you, for for taking the time out of your busy schedules and, and jumping on here, having this conversation. It's it's great. Uh, I want to wish all of you a, a happy Women's Mountain Bike Day and also a, a happy Mother's Day in a, in a couple weeks. And uh, and thank you uh, once again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ski and Kim. You guys were great. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great too. Thank you. You've inspired me. Yes. Go out and kick some more butt advocating. Thanks, ladies. Yes, we will. You, go, you girls are, ma- are amazing. I want to thank all three of my guests for joining me. Jules Guyer, Kim Bradley, and Ski Fleeton. It was a fantastic conversation, and I apologize for the stuff that didn't make the final cut. Now, I would be remiss not to credit Christine Reed of the North Shore Mountain Bike Association for that wonderful question about breaking down stereotypes through parenting. Thank you for that. Christine will be joining us for next episode, along with Sarah Gress of the Wood River Trails Coalition and Ernest Sagar of the Vale Valley Mountain Bike Trails Alliance. The latter two organizations have recently rebranded from mountain bike organizations to more all-encompassing trail organizations. We'll be discussing that and other things in episode 63. And of course, to supplement this episode, although it certainly doesn't need it, episode 65 will be a mountain bike dad's panel to celebrate Father's Day. That episode is due out June 14th. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can also join the Facebook group at Advocates on the Frontlines of MTB. And you can send me an email or audio file to info at FrontlinesMTB.com. You can stream the show on Mountain Bike Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you haven't done so already, leave a review on wherever you get the show. It helps others find the podcast. Big thanks to Michael, Dale, and Drew for their donations recently. Don't forget, you can support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes, along with a link to the Frontline's MTB Book Club, where a portion of any purchases made on Amazon after following those links will be sent to the podcast. In the show notes, you'll also find links to all of the organizations that were mentioned today. Music, as always, is by Lee Rosevear. Production notes by Jennifer Pride. Artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson of BGW Creative, and big thanks to Ben Walnock and the team at Mountain Bike Radio for their continued support. And a huge thanks to all of the moms out there for all you do, for your kids, our trails, and the world we live in. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy Mother's Day.